Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Hilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Guys, welcome back to another episode of Mom Brain. And today we have Ginger Z, Chief Meteorologist at ABC News. You hey. see her all over your television all the time, and it's the best moment of your day because yes. she's just <laughs> brilliant and beautiful and bright and sunshine, even when she's reporting on the craziest storms out there. Um, but today she's here to talk to us about the storm at home with her <laughs> two beautiful boys. Her wonderful husband and... And how she manages to do it all and then balance it all and be okay with it. Let Ginger give us her one-line bio. Oh, sure. Who are you? Yeah. Tell us everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm Ginger Z. I'm a meteorologist. I'm a mom. Uh, I am a wife. I am... Isn't it funny? You just start listing who you are by the the things that you've got. Um, I... I think I'm legitimately a little off in the best way. I think I'm a very unique human being who's recently shared almost all of her story in a book um, that you can pick up. And it's a lot about depression, but it's also got a lot of sunshine in there. Oh, that was so good. Well done. Do you know somebody told me recently, I don't have any tattoos, but that she's starting to get allergic to her tattoos and it's like a thing? Because you you know how you can... So I just found out... You change your ...that I was allergic to all my makeup and I had to completely change my makeup my there it was a preservative that was an, and I'm not allergic to anything wow. and I never had problematic skin I started getting like all these like like hives and bumps huh. and stuff like that over the past few years and I was like oh maybe it's because I'm having kids whatever um, and basically I found out that I'm allergic to two preservatives and things and so the same thing can happen to tattoos that are in your body forever well there's so much yeah. to talk about tattoos <laughs> that's next for me yeah, exactly right <laughs> I'm really, ear piercing to tattoos well I'm really into this hashtag right, right now and it might just be my friends who are co-opting this and it's not a real thing but I want to make it a real thing it's hashtag party mom party mom and really? I just feel like what yeah. we're talking about here having tattoos and extra piercings <laughs> Ginger just got her second and third yeah. piercings in her because ear. why wouldn't you because why wouldn't you you're a mom but you're allowed to be like fun and weird and wild sometimes I, I think so kids are so, so I just made my hair darker um, like last week um, and then I was thinking that I was going to cut it off because yeah, I love what? extremes. You need some change. Yeah. No, I thought I was going like, to like you. super short. I don't know what. Yeah. And literally, my hairdresser was like, really? You want to cut it like eight inches? I was like, yes, mm-hmm. I do. I do. And he had the scissors like <laughs> right here. And then my friend sent me this video of the SNL skit of the mom cut. Oh, yeah. And I was like, abort mission, stop me. No, don't do it, don't do it. And took the scissors away. Yeah. But that's the thing is that being a cool mom, it's like we have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. We have to be very careful because we somehow get trapped into this like... We got to wear the jeans and we got to cut our hair short. Should I tell my cool mom story? Please do. I want to hear. What, yeah, c- come on, party mom. <laughs> party mom. I mean, this is the antithesis of cool mom, but whatever. People will understand what I mean. Um, I was at a photo shoot and the uh, the photographer, who's extremely talented, does beautiful work, is used to working with real models, you know, Um uh, they would hired her for this pregnancy shoot. I was no joke, maybe seven or eight months pregnant with my third. So oh, wow, everyone yeah. out there with multiples knows that like it just gets bigger so and better every pregnant. time. I was I was twelve <laughs> months <Yes>. pregnant. <laughs> um, and I show up at the shoot, and you know I have two other toddlers, so I hadn't slept very well. I show up at the shoot, you know, bleary eyed, hadn't had my coffee yet. I walk in, they've set up this gorgeous townhouse, and the the photo editor comes up to me and she goes, she um was I think from Norway. 
And she was like, you know, my vision for this for this shoot is you're just a cool mom. You're a cool mom and you you don't wear makeup. Your hair is natural. <laughs> and, and it's still me, guys. It's still Daphne. Um, <laughs> I'm here. And, and you know, my, my favorite outfit I picked for you is this beautiful. And I'm waiting for it. I'm like, yes, yes. Fucking ball gown. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> mechanic suit no (laughs) I am not freaking kidding you for this woman who herself was the coolest mom and you know glamorous and all those but you know would have rocked a black jeans and a t-shirt um Wanted me at ten months pregnant <laughs> to be in a unisuit. Oh, wow. What color? You what color? Like denim. I'm talking like Humpty. Oh, like are we doing like Humpty Dumpty? Because that's yeah. always what I feel like. Humpty I look Dumpty like I'm pregnant when I'm wearing something like that. Rolled yeah. right down that hill. Yeah. It was. It was also. It was also like August. I mean, it was oh, eight million oh, degrees. No. I was like my my friend, my friend. I will not take this photo shoot without eight strips of fake lashes, like <laughs> multiple pounds of c- concealer and a really fitting waist giving yeah. outfit. So that's my cool mom story. But um, you are cool. I think you saved yourself. I think. But that's the <laughs> word so. I start using. So the, the word that comes to mind when I got a second and third ear piercing yes. and I went home and my husband said, what's wrong? Are we OK? I mean, because <laughs> obviously there's something wrong if you come home at 37 years old with a fresh ear piercing. I kept using the word edgy. Oh, yes, edgy. Yeah. edgy. I like I'm that. Really, because I'm not at all. I'm the most. No, you are, yeah. actually. As I get to know you more and more, I find there are so many like nooks and crannies of Ginger Z to yes. get lost in. And I love well, it. Well, first of all, so your much. name is Ginger Z, which I feel yeah. like is edgy. And Very you are wearing, Thank yes, you. the red red shoes. She is wearing red shoes right now. And I have lots of earrings. And some of them are kind of spiky, which have edges. Oh, there see? you go. Yeah. There you go. That is edgy. That's and that's, I have to say, so my name, Ginger Z, I always say this, but the first job I did was in Flint, Michigan. And I was so excited. It was my first like full time. And I got there and Flint has a shared market. So it's Flint, Saginaw, Bay City and Midland. It's this whole side of Michigan that they count as one market. Um, That weekend when I started Ginger Z debuted, there was a new debut at Sensations, which was a strip club of Ginger Z. No, just the letter. Yes. We shared our opening weekend. (laughs) I never got to know this young lady who she was or what her purpose or future was. But yes, I shared that name as but well. You know what's amazing is that you don't even have to come up with that like porn name. No. We all have that porn name. It's like I have the it real deal is that. <laughs> I feel like so the porn combo is your first name plus the street you grew up no, on. No, 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 no. It's either your first pet and the street. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh. I, I don't sound like any anyone you'd Yours want to spend the evening with. Tell me. <laughs> Toto Winston? <laughs> Yours is much more like Upper East Side. I don't know. I'm I'm sugar. Was, I'm Daphne Oz. Like, obviously, every pet I've ever owned had some reference reference involved to the Wizard oh, of Oz. That's so funny. Oh, that's my very first, good. My first pet was Toto. Oh, my God. You know what just that. came together? This yeah. is how well I know you because yeah. I'm too close to be able to see it. Yes. You were the Wizard of Oz, Glinda the Good Witch. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that was Sorry. the Oz. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, no. Someone does have four I don't children. sleep. <laughs> I don't sleep. I just I was like, well, I I was her That's last nice. year, and so I'm like, oh, this is great. It's like the it's like a mom, it's a Thing. mom outfit it, because it's just like flowy, and you feel like you're a princess, <laughs> you and, you're, totally and your daughter do. like really likes the dress, right? My daughter my so into love it. that dress. Even my my baby, who sometimes Nika, who sometimes gets like skittish around big loud crazy things um she's you know what she's my first baby that has stranger danger it's Mm. not that she cares about noise or anything she just if she doesn't know you she's sort of like 
That's not a, into you. It's a really normal thing to be. It's yes. actually yeah. a very good thing, right? I when think kids it's smart. have that, you, mm-hmm. it's such a normal mm-hmm. instinct, and we should probably all have it. Right, right. <laughs> I never have, and that's been my issue most of my life. <laughs> stranger. Like, come hello. Hello, come on in. <laughs> Uh, but um, but no, Glinda the Good Witch was my Halloween yeah. costume this week, this great. year, and I I literally scrolled through Hilaria's. You know, she did this um, the roundup of the last yeah. few years, and could not. We were literally wearing the exact same costume for me. It happened to be what Amazon could deliver the Quickly. day before, mm. Um, mm. which was which is actually my Halloween costume. I think my genius in it is I do whatever is like the easiest. That was the most yeah. in depth one. This year we were all astronauts, and all I had to do was get like these like zip up astronaut suits. Her, from her shoot a cool mom mine yeah, were orange my, you know, mine. and I wasn't pregnant which always helps <laughs> um, and then I did the Incredibles before which we just did oh, t-shirts with mm-hmm. black pants oh. so um, and we didn't even do the, like, the whole costume thing we just did the Incredibles t-shirts that was not as it was you know for GMA we always go over to, over top yes which and I, love. I don't know why but they like to make me into a monster like everybody else looks hot everybody else gets to be like <laughs> hot Halloween and I always end up being one year I was Groot, like a big tree. <laughs> I was Dory, a giant fish. Hey, hey. No, hey no. When I was what? really pregnant, I was the Hulk, because oh, there's no yeah. better way to Wait, make I'm a woman feel oh, no. small. This is get, this is abuse. <laughs> it is abuse. This is out of control. So this year they said, we've got this idea. You're going to be coming out of a sewer grate and no. you're going to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And I'm like, well, I'm green again. So that's no surprise. <laughs> but my son loves and we just started watching like the old ones. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So I knew I we have could do a, a family. Le- I have of... a Leonardo and a Raphael. Yeah. Yeah, see? my kids. Oh, and then, and then people think like, oh, you named him after the Ninja Turtles. And I had a third <laughs> son know. and they're like, it's going to be Donatello, right? I'm like, no, it's not going to be Donatello. Oh, my God. I thought about Donatello a little bit. I know. I didn't at all. I actually, uh, Leonardo is Leonardo Angel, Leonardo Angel. Angel. So I already did the whole angel thing. So I kind of have Michelangelo in, I have Michelangelo (laughs) with the Leonardo. The the fingers in the the Sistine Chapel. I I was, I thought maybe it was an industry. I was like, gosh, I'm I'm like out on the gang signs. Like, what is happening here? I totally missed. Uh, So one thing I love is that we all have sons. Yeah. So you have two sons. Yes. There, they are three and eight months. He'll be three and then yeah, eight months. So this is this is a fun. T- I don't know how you all do it with more. I really, I am in this mode of just bowing to you. I can't. They just came off their first like fall sickness. Oh, oh so no! Hard. Oh, it's horrible. And one was enough when they get sick. Now it's like, what's this other one going to do with this? Because all our immune systems do something different. Right. I'm too terrified. I decided last week when we're in the middle of fevers, like, oh, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> and you can't get sick. I mean, you have no. to be, what, you have to be at GMA, what, at like four in the morning Yeah, every I get day? up at 345. And so when they're up every hour with coughs and all this stuff, it's like, it makes for a much more interesting morning. That's for sure. Ooh. But nothing no parent hasn't done before. It's just that I tend to have to look good at 430 right. in the morning. So how do you, how do you take care of yourself? How do you, number one, try to prevent yourself Mm -hmm. from getting sick and then if you do get sick like what are your beauty tips i always always go to bed when they do like i everybody says sleep when they sleep but like really that goes well beyond being an infant which is what time i try by 8 39 i mean amazing yeah because if i don't i'm up at 3 45 i've just ruined myself Mm -hmm. and i've seen it the monday or tuesday you can get away with it tuesday wednesday it starts to deteriorate thursday friday you don't want to know me you know, right. if I've stayed up, especially past 10, if it's past 10, it's I'm, I'm not even looking forward to anything for the rest of the week. And then once I do, I mean, I'm fortunate to have great ma- makeup and beauty or hair folks at GMA so they can fix anything pretty much. <laughs> uh, but I do 
the water is really the thing. I sound yeah. like my dad. You know, it's like you grow up and you know the one thing that was so annoying. We'd be like, we have a stomachache, drink a glass of water. I have a headache, drink a glass of water. I really believe that water is it. I of course. I think that's so yeah. silly, but it, is, it, it really is the one thing that no, keeps me going. It makes sense because yeah. we are mostly made out of water. Yeah. So we have to keep our system going, replenish, and mm-hmm. just, you know. And flush. Yeah, I mean, flush, people forget exactly. about just like even the headache thing. You know, so often you get dehydrated and your body's response is to have a headache before you're even sick. Yes. Oh, it tells you. Um, and that's the thing, too. So at night, the other thing is I've become, because I was never great about taking my vitamins or being good about taking many supplements. I'd be inconsistent at best. Right. Since I've had kids, I would say I'm better than ever. And it's not because I'm like, oh, I have to be healthy for them. I make it a game. And Adrian loves to help me with my vitamins. So last night, like on Sunday nights, we put together like the pack. I'm such an old lady. I've got the oh, pack. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, yeah. And he thinks so much funny counts. And so we practice counting. Oh. And we've made it a game. And then he knows those are mommies. So it's not like you don't. he doesn't touch them or right. want them or anything. And he loves the squishy one is like the krill oil. And, like, he's like, right. and then we learn. And I tell him what they're for. And we have this whole process so at night he likes to give them to me and I can't forget because he won't let me oh that's <laughs> it's amazing. like before the, the bedtime routine is partly mom takes her vitamins <laughs> I love that he teaching him responsibility yeah. you're getting ready for when you're you know 20 50 35 <laughs> years down the and road now you feed mommy <laughs> feed mommy those <laughs> yeah okay under eye circles oh this is this has been the bane of my most of my existence I've had what are they called allergy um, some people have more prone because yeah. of allergies and yeah. because of how you're contact thin. dermatitis yeah, or maybe like... I have no idea but my mom always says that I have that so for me mine has been not just water obviously but I have a mixture I only use foundation I don't use concealer anymore and for me that's the thing that makes the difference a lighter foundation the way light hits it I think that I was also caking on concealer right. too much because people can you can do really bad things with Absolutely. concealer yes and light foundation makes you still look like a normal human being but so wait, you apply a coat of like skin matched foundation yes. and then under your eyes and sort of in that highlighting area between eyes and nose, you do a lighter yes. color of the same style of the same yep. formula. Usually same formula or sometimes a little bit different. If I'm using Mac one place, I'll use, you know, Giorgio Armani and another. But you know what Daphne and I have been doing mm-hmm. is eye drops. So, oh, yeah. So one of the things that I found um, and I'm sure that most people can relate who wear makeup is that I'd wash my face at night and then I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have like makeup in the mm-hmm. corners of my eyes. And so I realized that I actually was washing makeup into my eyes mm-hmm. and then closing my eyes and sleeping with it there, which is like horrible. So I rinse my eyes out with eye drops before going to bed. And then the first just thing the in the morning. Just the regular saline ones. Just, just yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. Huh. It may be something with like a little lubricant sometimes. It's a, it's a good one. Yeah. I'm going to tell you one for the road too are the, the eye drops thing. We I'm using this one called Uptique, which is a homeopathic version. Oh, nice. And they come in little ampules. Like the same thing that you give your kids, the camellia type of, you know, that same company, Boyron. And you just pop those in your huh. purse and you always have them ready to go. And they're sterile and easy to travel with. Because I, nice. in television, I got hooked on the bad kind oh, a yeah, long no, time yeah, ago. The no. blue and eyes. then I yeah. finally have gotten rid of them. Yeah. So, But then that was a big process for my body to get used to. I think it took a full year before so, my body wasn't so reacting exp- anymore. explain to everybody the bad kind yes. because I, I found out about that once I started getting to television, but I don't think most people know about it. And don't get addicted to this. We're giving you information to not do Big this. Big warning here. Big warning. Don't and you do know, it. I became a pusher at one point. <gasps> yeah. Oh my I goodness. did. I know. It's really scary. I feel like this is your edgy side You're coming out. Mom's a really <laughs> this bad edge. Well, when you are a party mom or pre-party mom, pre-party mom. Uh, because I would, I, I did have my party times and still was working in television. And so I felt desperate because I'd have those red eyes right. and, and those, they show up so much on camera. And so they, someone, 
Her name's Erin Luby. She's not in TV anymore, but she's totally my originator where I found the drug first. Um, she said, use these. And there's there's one type that's blue, that's actually blue, that goes in your eye. That's probably the worst. And sometimes they're created in Asia. and um, You don't even know what's in you them. You don't know. Which is, why would you ever do that? But no. I did a lot of things. I have a lot of questions about in that era of my life. So, But now she goes to bed at 8.30. I do. So it's good. Life comes but circle. I have a second and third hole in my ear. Um, so I'd, I'd use those. And then even the ones that are just the Opcon that have the um, allergy, the allergy relief, those yeah. are even next level and you really? don't want to go there. So I'd use either Blue Drops if it was a really bad day or use the Opcon. And they got me hooked so hard that within a couple of months I needed them or else my eyes were red. Yep. And so whether I had been out doing something and I was not really in need, my eyes were red anyway. And so really it took... I think it was 15 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't know what the effects are. I, I can't see as well, but that might be age, too. <laughs> it's age, actually, in having babies, that your eyesight gets worse oh. when you're pregnant. And, and after? And usually starts to return around eight, like six months to a year, it starts to get back to normal. So you're still in the window. But don't you think that's kind of generous? Like, if your eyesight goes a little bit, you're a little more gentle on yourself. You're a little like, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think good. it's so I not good. fair. I feel, no, well, I guess, you know what? It's like, I it's love like a mirror because at the I usually feel like it's so unfair because I'm like, I need to be like, why do we get nauseous? Like, all this. I mean, I know why. But, like, I want to be, like, on my game. I want to be, like, a superhuman where yeah. I can, like, do all this. And I want to be able to see. I want to be able to not be tired. But the nice thing is your eyesight in the front goes, but you get two new eyes at the back of your head. So, you know, it's all easy. Very true. Um, I have to ask you because we've been sort of dancing around it. But, you know, you obviously had a really full life and full career um, for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And your son's, um, Adrian's what, almost four now? He'll be three. He'll be three. He'll be three. Okay. So in the last three years, you've now introduced two young gentlemen into your lives, your beautiful sons. Talk to us a little bit about your sort of transition from Ginger Z pre-babies to Ginger Z post-babies and what that's looked like for you. I really, I am a completely different person in the best way. I really think this is the best version of myself that I've ever been. And that's exciting because I had a lot of growth to do. That's why I wrote a book about it, because there was just some really rough times in my life. And I think a lot of it had to do with not caring for myself, not loving myself and not having purpose. You talk about something that gives you all of those things, and that's children. Um, you can't be that way. I don't. Well, that's not true. You can, of course, people can be faced with depression easily post baby. It's very common for people to have. Um, for me, I was growing into an emotional being even when I was 20, 25. I just wasn't there yet. And I think I had a lot of learning to do. Um, so for me, I have a, a really like, we talk about troughs and ridges in the atmosphere, um, very much like peaks and valleys. Everybody says this. But I had some of my deepest valleys prior to meeting my husband and having this point in my life. And mine had a lot to do with depression that was undiagnosed. I had no idea what was wrong with me. I would have really great, great, great days for a long time. And then it would start to get dark. And I wouldn't really know what to do with that feeling. And that darkness would get it would be like closing in, like how a movie screen can close in. And then one day I'd wake up and it was black. And it was that bad. And I had a suicide attempt. And I had a lot of things that people deal with. But after, say, my suicide attempt, and I I talk about this in my book, and people can maybe relate to it or not. I've been speaking all over the nation. A lot of people can relate to it, it sounds like. I woke up, and I just said, I don't want to live. That's how dark it was. Very weird, because the next day, after I got home from the hospital, I'm with my mom. And I look at myself in the mirror, and I'm thinking, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. I can't believe that was me. And I was just at an event this weekend where I was speaking about mental health and we were raising money. And all these families had their children 
that had been lost to suicide. And I'm talking hundreds of families. It was one of the, the heaviest, but, but also eye-opening for me to think I had never thought like this. That might be the way they were too. It yeah. might have just been that one day. Yeah. It might have been just that one moment. Fortunately, I got help and was found. And what didn't help for me was after I said, well, I, I don't know how that happened. I totally ignored it, ran on with my life, got my job in Flint. I was like, hey, Ginger Z is starting this weekend. And I would I would go in these swings where not in a bipolar way because I was never diagnosed with bipolar, but I would ignore the darkness that had been there. And so until the day that I was honest with myself and really started to get the help I needed, and for me, all it's been is therapy and intense, great therapy. And that has helped me to get to the point where I was ready for someone to love me. And that was my husband because I ran away from him a lot. And you I did. Told, yeah. And, I've, and I, I did because <laughs> I wanted who doesn't want bad. I yeah. know. All I want. And that's not just and I wanted a bad boy. He's... I wanted like really bad. I was like, let's you want to let's let, let's get into this. Let's be you know, manipulative and abusive. Like, I liked that kind of bad. Why? I think because I didn't have self-love. I mean, it was so simple. It's like the most easy concept to say is if you don't have something in yourself, you're searching for someone else's approval and you're searching, but you often fill that void with someone who isn't healthy either. Right. And I did that a lot, as many women do. Um, There's a lot of reasons. It took me a long time to figure it all out. But and, And you can, with professional help, I think, figure those things out. And then what I ended up doing was learning tools for emotional health and stability that got me to the place where finally, and I had met my husband um, about a year after my intense therapy, and I had actually checked myself into a mental health hospital before I, 10 days before I started my job at ABC News. Yeah. It was, it was that. And that's what I start my book with. It's like, hi, I'm Ginger. I checked myself into a mental health hospital. I think people see me and they see, they think that I'm just light and airy and all this, but what I've noticed from the response for the book is this is very common. Yeah. The part that's uncommon is saying, okay, I'm ready. I have a problem. And just like drug or alcohol rehabilitation, I went and said, I need rehabilitation. What do you think, you know, because that is very rare, as you said it, um, what do you think is gave you the power to be able to do that? Was it there just enough of a piece of the pie of yourself that wanted to live and wanted to be okay? I mean, I, I, I struggled with an eating disorder until I was 25. And there was just this constant feeling of of like I'd go down that dark hole and then I'd have to like pull myself out of it again and I'd have to pull more and more and more into the until the point where I was like I'm not doing this anymore I am not doing this anymore and then I started to flip and I started to change and there's certain things that you have to remind yourself of all the time but you know you can create normalcy so I mean I'd love to talk about that and then as a follow up to that I want to talk about raising kids not just with us being you know people who have struggled being their parents because there's a lot of people parents who are totally you know fine and never struggled with any of that at least that they notice I mean I'm a yeah. big believer that everybody, everybody has, their, has something everybody yeah. has their something <laughs> but not in terms of like a gigantic struggle that they sure. they did to the point of you know a suicide attempt mm-hmm. but um but how do we I don't think it's ever too early to teach self-love even from my my son my littlest one is five months old and even like teaching him that now so that they can grow up and always know that they're important so first how did you how how are you capable of um of making that choice i think i was i was finally ready so i saw something i got the job i knew the job was at abc and i knew it was my dream job and all i had cared about for most of my life my personal life was seriously 
a natural disaster. That's why I called it that because it was so bad and I would spiral all the time and have all these. I don't think I was attending to that. I was attending to the part that I didn't want to ruin and that was my career. I had been lucky at that point because I had been a partier. I had gotten into some like really places where I should have gotten in big trouble and didn't and I knew I was lucky. Um, and so I had kind of been feeling those feelings. Transitions for me were always tough. That was where my depression ended up coming out. And a lot of people have this. Either they react with anxiety or depression when they have a big, whether it's good or bad. And I knew I was moving to New York City. I knew I was going to take on this brand new job. And I didn't want to wake up one day with that darkness. And so I felt it kind of coming in. And I said to my mom, listen, I've, ha I've done this twice before. I know that I've never gotten the real help that I need. I'm ready. And she said, then you have to check yourself in. I really think this is going to be, because she had been advising this for 10 years, and mom's always right. Mm -hmm. And so I went um, to Columbia here when I got to New York, and instead of going to my new apartment, I went to Columbia and handed over my clothing and my cell phone and said, I need help. I'm in a bad place. Please get me right. And I met my, my therapist that I now still am in therapy with, and I committed to a change. And that was it for me. It doesn't work for everybody that easily, but for me, all it took was that. And a year later, I met my husband, and I was still kind of, I was dating this guy who, I still don't know if he was married or not. Like, I couldn't figure it out, really. Um, you know, and I kept going back and forth to this really bad relationship, and I kept working with my counselor. It was like having this best friend who was impartial, who could, he wasn't telling me, he wasn't placating anything I was saying. He was like, you're being, you are being your old self. When, you're, you, when you want the negative, you're going for that guy. I was so, I respected my husband. I met him so much. I thought, I can't do this to him. I can't go back and forth. So I'd be like, I can't see you anymore because I knew I needed to be abused for a little bit, you know? And so I'd go back to the bad guy. And then, but I was honest with him. And, I, and then I would say, oh, no, I do deserve that. And it took me about six months to finally get to the point where I said, okay, I'm diving in. And it was around, um, right after Christmas. Uh, and I said, I'm diving into this guy because... I'm going to allow the love that he obviously has for me because he keeps sticking around through all this to wash over me. And I'm going to treat him right. I'm going to treat myself right. And that's really where I made a change. I think that's when I stopped using the eye drops, which is interesting. Interesting <laughs> how that all started how it all clearly. Yep. So it sounds like what you're saying is that that you have to focus on if somebody's going through a dark time, focus on the moments, even if it's just a moment where you feel light, yes. where you feel happy. Yep. And that's where you need to go. You go towards the light away from the darkness and you have to care about that. And you light. have to get the support yeah. around you because you can't do that alone. Yeah. Um, and you need the people and whether it takes as severe as mine was as actually going to a hospital yeah. or it's just surrounding yourself with the people that you know are going to keep you in that lightness. Right. Um, being isolated is probably the worst thing. And that's what most people when they're in those dark places go to is let me shun away from everything and let right. me get far away over here and because the, I can do whatever I want. And also the shame about reaching out and being yeah. embarrassed about it. But and once you'll find though, don't you think that once you find that you open up about it, you're like, it's not scary anymore. It's the most healing part because true honesty with myself was the problem. I was lying to myself. Oh, that didn't happen. Yeah. That didn't just, when I'd have whatever with a guy or with a... It, uh, that didn't happen. Yeah. I'd move on and it was like, but you have to address it. It did happen. It's your life. It's part of it. And it's what you're going to learn from. And then you're not ashamed, ashamed of it. And so you can use it. Right. And that's what I've done. And so the night before my book went to print and it has all of this like real dirt, I was like, oh, I don't know. Am I going to ruin my job? Is everybody going to fire me? Because yeah. it's really, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. And my husband's like, if you don't feel nervous right now, and if you don't think you're going to say something that's going to upset someone, then you're not making a change. And I realized it was the first time I didn't care what people thought. Good for you. It had to be because 
And that's what's made the most change. And now that's been the best response. Good. I'm, I'm not fired. Inspiring. It's really, it's, I mean, it's so valuable for, and people who are listening, some of you will have been through something so common here. Mm-hmm. You'll have so much common ground. And some will be sitting there thinking, wow, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that that hasn't been my experience, yeah. or, but I know someone who has. But I think for everyone, you recognize that when you are able to be vulnerable, people come out of the woodwork to support you, to identify with mm-hmm. you, to, and also, I mean, you're in a position of, of huge you know, awareness and with this wonderful platform to be able to bring and shed light on something as rampant as mental health awareness. And I think people feel like, God, you know, she's she's been so successful and she has this beautiful family and and she's beautiful. And if she can come out on the other side of this extremely debilitating disease. And and by the way, that also is another piece. It's never gone. No, like, and that's I wanna, the reality. You know, and that's what I always say to myself is I know tomorrow isn't given. I know it's not that I'm not going to wake up starting to feel that. And so I'm always aware of that. Yes, I've been in a really sunshiny spot and I've been getting so much help. And I've been lucky enough to have that. And and that's the thing. I keep working with these groups that are providing, they're raising money so that they can provide it for people. Because if you don't have the therapy in front of you, if you don't have that opportunity, what were you going to do? Then it's over. You know, you don't have that. So I think that's a really important part, too. Not only are we making everyone aware that it's out there, but it's like, OK, now what? Right. Let's get the help that makes it go away. Because yeah. and I know I struggled with anorexia. And so I had that was like ages 10 to 14 was my really bad, nearly hospitalized type of anorexia. And when you were asking about the kids and how I deal with them and how their self-worth and their self-love, I think a lot about this because how I spoke to myself, whether it was silently or not, was so critical to what I ended up feeling and doing. The way I speak to myself now, even if it's like having to convince myself that that's the right way, is so powerful. And that's the part for me that is big with, especially with food, because it was such and is still an issue. I'm, that's something that never goes away either. It's always going to be in you. You know, you st- I memorized, you know, baby carrot calories to everything. It stays the egg with, with the yolk and without, without the yolk. Mm-hmm. And that, that library of information doesn't leave you. Now you can make it powerful. Because now it's going to be nutrient for your child. Right. And actually, egg yolk is funny because Adrian just decided he doesn't like the yolk and he <laughs> doesn't want it because it's oil. And I said, I don't, wh- why do you call it the oil? And he said, I don't like it. It tastes like oil. I'm like, well, I guess it kind of does because it's got that it's fat. fat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like the taste of it. But, but a I lot said, of kids don't like the yolk. Yeah. But I said, but it's but, so yeah, good need for them. it, but it's so, so good for them. So, so I've been trying to make them look lighter. <laughs> oh. You know, like putting some milk in, or doing whatever to make what it about fluffier little toy and lighter. Soldiers, like if they, if you use sort of a soft boiled egg and they dip their little yeah. um, toast wedges into it, he'd like that. I think I, I also my kids pour oil and salt on everything. My kids <laughs> are like the the like maestros in the kitchen over there. I mean, they want to dip their I carrots in there. I know, <laughs> I know. it's not surprising. I they, they don't no, fall I, I think with you know with picky eaters is my so I have one very picky eater out of the form and the, the baby one doesn't count but um they're all babies actually okay but the, but the three-year-old rafa is so picky yeah. and what and he's just starting to try foods again the best piece of advice somebody gave it to me is don't make it an issue yeah once you make it a thing then they get into it mm-hmm. just say their identity okay you don't want you don't want that that's fine and you offer it hey you know what? do you want the egg yolk mm-hmm. No? Okay, great. Uh, excellent. Okay, we'll have this instead. Right. Like, you know don't I mean? explain it. And I think that is something because food was such an issue for me because everything was explained. And I don't blame just my parents, but my parents were totally crazy when it came to food. So I think that's where yeah. all of my misinformation or information came from. And I used it in the wrong way. And it was like the wrong type of 
um, fired up, you know, about what food meant. And so at 10 years old, I knew all of those things because I had heard it from my parents. So that's one huge thing that I do now with the kids is I not only don't make it a big deal, I never mention nutrients of things. I'm not like you need protein or you need because even that I think can... I just I want them to have a balanced meal and I will totally bargain and be like, you can have a piece of chocolate if you have 10 edamame. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> like, I'll do that. I'm not at all too, too good to be that way. But I think I don't try like you're right. Don't make it a big deal and just stop paying such close attention because that's where it ended up coming from. Yeah. And not that I'm worried that my boys are going to be anorexics or something. But I think in the same way of where do you bring your kids when you've had these types of issues yourself? I'm so well aware. And I do most of my therapy sessions now are how do I be the best parent? See, I think that's so interesting because, I mean, obviously I grew up in a family where awareness of nutrition and food and and the value that it has as medicine, first and foremost, was front and center for me. And and I grew up very overweight. And I think something that's very interesting here is obviously it's at at a different level and a different scale. But for me, I felt like being the overweight child in an extremely healthy family was my cross to bear. And it ended up defining my career in many ways and giving me this platform to speak from from authenticity and with a lot of compassion for how how challenging and what a struggle it can be to take your health back and take that ownership back. And I think it's very interesting that in many ways, it sounds like the cross to bear that each of you had was also a catalyst. Well, it's for your the whole same platform. thing. It's, it's mm-hmm. just it's the inability to know when you're full when you should eat how much you should eat when you should stop eat i mean it's it's just it really is just an a a lack of connection with your body. The food experience isn't just in the mouth. The food experience is how you start to feel it go into your veins, your energy level, you know, what you're eating. Am I eating a lot of sugar that's going to spike me up or caffeine? Am I eating something that is going to bring me down? Am I eating just at that that balance, that place where I'm I'm feeling really good? And because, you know, going back to what you said, who doesn't want something bad? Yeah. I mean, because it's interesting. You see kids. My my son Leo, he's two. He's going through that hitting phase. He hits and I (laughs) say, say, no, you can't do it. Okay, mommy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, mommy. And then like we go into another room and he hits again. again. And like what somebody explained to me is like, well, he knows that hitting in that room isn't okay, but is it the same thing as hitting over here? Might as well try it. Exactly. And we're all doing the same thing. So, you know, with food. it's fun. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's been out long. I can remember. Not the hitting is fun. Doing the bad thing. Yeah, but doing the bad thing. Doing that eating. Eating the bad thing. Eating the bad thing is really fun. I love eating the bad thing. That's our issue. But yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, what I've learned is that kids listen to everything and they are sponges as everybody says and you know how we show them we eat in front of them how we talk about food and I think a lot of it has to do with you know disciplining them and and what coping mechanisms they go to you know if I have to tell my son hey we don't head or you can't head or you know go through that whole thing with him and and you know as anyone with a toddler knows that those toddlers they're not just like okay fine you know and then stop doing it it's an issue for for a a period of time Um, and And, you know, I I think that how we teach them that they are not their actions, that they are good people and they are themselves and they made a bad choice. Exactly. And the less that they identify with whatever bad behavior they do and how we can help them through that, the better grownups they will be. Yeah. I think that's very true. It's very hard. It's, I always I have to cognizantly think of that when it's I'm hard. doing it, though. It's so hard. <laughs> no. It's so hard. Well, because I look, I think I think 
It's interesting. You mentioned transitions being a time when there was a lot of instability and that gave your uh, brain the soil to start to go into these negative places. Um, And I think it's interesting as parents, you're almost always confronted with instability. Nothing is really I mean, it's weird because you put a lot of things in your control. Obviously, you try to control your kids, what they're eating and when what their schedule looks like and when they go to bed and all these things. But a lot of the time they're humans and they're introducing unknown variables and forcing you to sort of make a decision from your heels as opposed mm-hmm. to forward thinking. And um, and I think, you know, I'm curious to hear you talk about how you, yes, give your kids the the tools and the coping mechanisms to to combat from the earliest age any sort of negative self-talk um, and the and that sort of process that you know that you've been through. Um, but also how you now knowing that you're sort of constantly confronted with small transitions how you sort of barricade yourself like how do you how do you I guess pump up what's your anthem yeah what's your pump up no I do and I have to do this I think it's it's first communicating which is like so simple but if you say it out loud then you're addressing it and that's the beginning of it so and I'll do an example of Adrian had a fever and was sick and he was had this cough you know that cough that yeah. makes them like so he and he has a really Keeps bad gag reflex oh. oh no and so oh, but he hadn't eaten much right. but yeah oh, um, so he but he he starts coughing and he couldn't stop and he throws up and it threw up on me and then we move over to his bedroom <laughs> And it happens again. Of course. Of and course. I'm like, and why not get the entire house? He doesn't have much in him at this point. But then he said, I want to take a nap. It's our, at this point, it's bedtime. But he's like out of it because, you know, they just get so. And he goes to bed and it lays him down. And he said, I sorry, mommy. I don't know what the deal is with me. <gasps> and I was like, it broke my heart because I thought they he do, thinks they apologize. he did yeah. something wrong. Yeah. I didn't react different. Yeah. And I thought, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Yeah. How do I make this right? I'm like, nothing's the deal with you, buddy. You're just sick. This is This is a normal thing to feel. And you didn't mean to throw up. You just you happen to have a really strong gag reflex. <laughs> so then I'm explaining to a two and a half year old yeah. why his gag reflex is a thing. But it was it was critical for me to know because I was also getting frustrated because it was day three of having fevers. I'm scared. I'm fearful. So it's those things where I have to allow those things to wash over me, kind of meditation like where it's like, let those feelings in. Is this going to matter a week from now? No. And I always ask myself that. Will this thing that is that is bothering me matter a week from now if the answer is yes and then I can say it'll matter a year from now then we're allowed to put a lot of energy into it I tend to go way off so then I'm putting him to bed and I start bawling not because my son's sick but because I start thinking about all the kids with real illnesses that are a year from now you know like those (laughs) are the things that start to but those are the ones that I think that will give you great perspective and it always helps me I use that checklist a dozen times a day and I allow myself to feel if it's going to be beyond that and that's how I've kept myself slightly more insulated and more given perspective I also I'm fortunate that I have this unique opportunity to be in these storm places so I was just came back from Hurricane Michael I was in the eye I think right after I saw yeah. you Daphne I had, I had been in the eye of a category 4 hurricane unlike anything we've seen since Camille in 1969 so in most of our lifetimes we've never seen a storm like this and I was in the storm surge of 15 oh feet God. Watching people's homes burst apart and and or be twisted off their foundation and rushed down, and it's those times too where I, I'm able to garner great perspective because it's in front of my face and I bring that back home. And so that's that it's that ability to say I have such gratitude because our house is standing. Oh, well, yeah. Our you yeah. know those like really easy things. I will t- put those in my mind and what I do now. And this is like if I wake up and I'm a little off, I always wake up and I'm, when I'm in the shower, we have a glass shower, and I write 
on one side um, what I'm grateful for. So I always make that a written thing. And then I write a goal or a focus um, on the other short um, glass door. I love that. And it really sets the tone for the day. It's very like Tony Robbins-ish or something. Like I feel like, um, you know, I, there's a reason. Let me tell you something. I do, so yes, I do exactly the same thing. And reminding yeah. yourself, even when it's so hard. Yeah of what you are grateful for, yeah. how, how it could be worse, then you then you have the light. And then you're going towards the light need to and it's going to be okay. You need, I mean, you yeah. need, there, there's, I can't, I should really look it up by this time because I've misquoted this so many times, but it's <laughs> where energy goes, yeah, yeah. whatever flows. Something follows, something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you guys know what I'm talking about. I need to really look this up. But absolutely, the human brain needs, it, it, it is, it is, um, constantly forming new connections and your pathways are primed. So the more you go down a particular negative way of thinking, a negative pattern, the easier it becomes for your brain to go that way. Think about the well-trodden path, like your your bike goes better on it, your car goes better on it. You have to actively participate in training your brain to go a different route to work. Yes. Um, and especially if you've been, and I, I think I'm lurk, working with this with my therapist, which is something I'd never thought about. And I think if I went to school again, I'd do like psychology. psychology. I'm yeah. fascinated by it. But we talk about um, even as uh, infants, even a five month old has, that's where we develop our attachment ability. It's called attachment theory and there's all of these things. But just like you're saying, you can attach yourself to positives and negatives mm -hmm. or certain situations mentally without even being there. And you can attach yourself for and it can be a, something that you learned at a very, very young age because it really ends up being how you attach to your parents. And it goes back to this whole thing. But it helps either helps or hurts the way that you live your life and attach to certain things. I don't know that I had the best of attachment um, early on and it, it has nothing to do with not just my parents it can be how you develop naturally I've had to rework that and rework those pathways and the way that I attach to things or don't and so putting them as the first focus or the thing yeah sometimes it has to be as cheesy as writing on a wall and saying it and I used to always um, make my passwords my goals and that seemed to work because what do you type in every over time and over what and do you type again. in over right. and over and it's there it's very vision boardy and I'm not like that but it's but it it works I've, but that's know, the gift of the human brain. That's how yeah. plastic we and, are. But, you and can it's also not just the brain. I mean, so it. what I talk about, so the word yoga means union, mm -hmm. union between body and mind. And so what I couldn't understand while I was going through things is I was like, okay, I know it's bad if I'm bulimic. I know it's bad that I'm anorexic. I know it's bad. And so I was like telling myself this over and over again. And then I wasn't letting my body catch up. And so your body has a physical reaction to every single thought that you think. So the more that I'm thinking about negative, 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 and we're so we think our brains are just that's what's important. And it's actually much more the balance between the body and the mind. So my body was seizing up. You know, if I think about something horrible that happened, my shoulders are going to tense up. My hands are going to close. My jaw is going to clench. Mm -hmm. My brow, you whatever. Breathing. You stop mm -hmm. breathing. And so the moment that you think about something positive, your body also is going to have a softening reaction mm -hmm. to that. So the more that you bring yourself into that, the more the better you're going to physically feel. And if you physically feel good, you're more likely to react well, to parent well, to live a happier life, yeah. and to make the right decisions that are going to lead you into an even better path. And identifying those. So identifying them is one thing, but then to let them go. So you can have that because that moment when he has 104 fever, it's okay to feel fear because yeah. I was fearful. But then it was like, okay, you're doing everything you can do. You're, you, I called the doctor already. They told me the certain things that we can only give him Motrin and Tylenol right. too. So keep him hydrated. And repeating those things is important too. That kind of self, um, that was a cheerleading moment. Was like, you're doing it, mom. 
<laughs> so, you got this. You got this. I'm not to the point of looking in the mirror yet, but I'm close. I'm close. <laughs> Wink. Hey. <laughs> you do. You have to be your own best cheerleader sometimes. Yeah. You can't wait for that. And that's what's interesting is uh, when you were talking about your relationship with Ben is, you know, mm-hmm. you you finally allowed yourself to sink into him oh. wanting his love for you to wash over you as you're also, you know, you were finally in this receptive place where you could feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, it's tricky because you can't ever rely on, no matter, the the best marriages in the world, you cannot rely on someone else to make you feel a certain way. Um, but I want to actually, uh, you you had brought up, you know, traveling into the eye of the storm and mm-hmm. we had, we had lunch right before you went down yeah. to Florida. Um and you were talking about how, you know, you've always been in this career that puts you occasionally in in um in just dangerous way. Yeah, that's you know? danger. Yeah. And uh, and I think at the time, you know, you'd sort of been dealing and grappling with this idea of I'm a, I'm a mom. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. And I, I don't want to die. Obviously. <laughs> yes. But I um, but, you know, how do you how do you sort of structure your life so that you get to continue to do this thing that you love? But be the best mom you can be, and and how do you make balance of that? And I was talking to you about it because yeah, not have mm-hmm. more guilt than than is natural. Yeah. So I went to Florence, which was the hurricane earlier in the Carolinas, and that's where I had gotten something that I'd never gotten before, and that was a lot of social media reaction saying how how dare you? You're standing outside in 105 mile per hour wind gusts. I've done this since I was in college. I went to school for storm chasing. I've never missed a storm unless the ones when I was pregnant. I but mean, as you're saying, these storms are getting worse. And and, and the, the ones that I'm standing in are not, you know, n- not your run of the mill 60 mile per hour um, tropical storm. This is a, a serious hurricane. Um, but I've done it before and I've done it in a safe way, in, in, especially in Florence. And so when I got all of these messages, most of them said, how dare you? You're a mother now. First of all, I was offended because I'm like, you didn't care about me before I was a mother. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're expendable. Um, I've been, yeah, like, you didn't care at all. Uh, then I was thinking, of course, you would never say this to a man in my position. Right. And in my, in science, in meteorology, I am a minority. That's just a, that's just what happens. And so I've dealt with that a little bit. So I wasn't completely upset by that. I was upset because it actually hit a chord with me yeah. and because I have an insecurity about that is that I walked away thinking, and I, I treated it very differently. That storm, the second something flew, I'm like, I'm going inside, um, which I wouldn't have done before having kids because right. I now have other responsibilities and they do matter. And I do have this attachment to them. It's very interesting to, to take who you are and then evolve it into this brand new person because you really are a brand new person and you have a new career and that new career is being a mom. And so I had to balance now, which one, where are my priorities? What is important? Is it important that somebody sees a board flying or is it important that I don't get in the head with it so that I have my three-year-old has a mom? And so obviously that is an obvious one. And I said to most of the people, I wrote kind of a blanket thing because I couldn't believe the hundreds of messages. And I get a lot of normal up and down media, social media, nothing bothers me, but this one did. And so because it was that insecurity and I said, I know I'm a mother. I love my children. I love my husband, but I love my job. And I want to find this place where I, I know where, you know, what's safe and what's not. And I think in Florence, I really did a great job of, of balancing that. I great, great support from that. Most people were very good. Still, some people came back at me. You're wrong. You do this. And I thought it was really interesting. I'm not alone. Being a storm chaser is unique. There's not a lot of female storm chasers out there, but there are pilots. There are policemen, folks in, folks in the military, all women in that become mothers. And then they have to probably look at these jobs. You don't have a paramedic that says 20 years into her career, oh, great. Yeah, I'll just go do something else now. Right. You can't. 
I mean, and, and we started having that dialogue online, which I thought was really interesting that I'm not alone. There are a lot of these jobs that are dangerous. And they said, a lot of those women said, I'm never stopping. I'm never going to stop doing. Of course, I'm always tentative and probably more tentative than I'd ever been before. But I love what I do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And so it made me emboldened a bit to go and keep doing what I was doing. Then I'm in Michael. And it becomes this storm that nobody's ever seen before. And I made a choice um, based on a couple of other things to put ourselves in where I knew the storm surge was going to be the most. But I also did such due diligence. Would this building be hurricane you know, proof? Would, would it be would the surge do anything? No. And our building was a fortress. It was amazing. And the, no, not a window or door smashed. It, perfect. So I felt very good about my choice. But at the end, I thought, I don't know that I have to do this anymore. Maybe this is where I start to evolve. I'm still going to be a storm chaser. I'm still going to go into the storm. But do I have to be at the coast? Right. Or can I, because the people I met after the storm were the people that survived it. Because nobody was in there yet. We were there in the raw moments of it hitting and in those moments afterward. When I'm watching a house pulled off of its foundation, rolled down a street, I know there's a person in there. Ugh. And I know that they're likely not surviving that because I know how storm surge works and you drown. I mean, that's just, or something hits you in debris. And I've done this long enough. But that part, I thought, now I've shown people that. I think the next step is, maybe I'm going door to door with the Red Cross or somebody else and we go and we do the, the, the heroes before the heroes. We go and save them before. And because the people I met said, I said, why did you not go? You know, this was an evacuated area. And they said, I don't have a car. I don't have the funds to even if they did have a car, they don't have extra gas money to go. And where are they going to go stay? Um, some shelters would work, but whatever. That had in 20 years of doing this had never dawned on me that there isn't that opportunity for everyone. And so when people get all up in arms like, oh, they should have left and they're putting the first responders at risk, it's like, yeah, but they couldn't. They actually had no choice. Or one of her husband's on dialysis and they couldn't move because they couldn't get a hold of their family member. Not everybody has the the resources. And it was so fascinating. So I thought, that's my next job. Now I'm total mom. I'm going into the storm and I'm going to get all all the people ahead of time and say, listen, I know this is going to happen. I've put myself there before. Please come with me for this 12 hours. And if it's not as bad, we bring you straight back home. If it is, you you live your life. You can bring your pets. You can do this. That's my dream. That's my next dream. Isn't isn't that amazing how, you know, you've you've brought us through your, you know, life and career and how your career has really mirrored your mental health and your Mm -hmm. your purpose in your personal life mm-hmm. and it, it, it's, it's very fascinating and I mean you can't get you can't get further than like storm chasing no. and suicidal at <laughs> right, the same right. time which seems to, very similar to now yeah. I've got this like great family and this yeah. life and you know maybe I can like put that yeah and I don't but I out. won't ever change it I'm right. still right. gonna chase that storm it just evolves yes, the fact that you're evolves. still at the core of the same person and I think yeah. that's something we've talked about a few times here on mom brain about version you know every every child we say but it's i think it's just every life stage you become version 2.0 version mm-hmm. 3.0 version 4.0 and you're stripping off these layers and you're getting rid of the baggage that sucks and that's yes. holding you down and you get you you are filling up with other things that you never even knew you were missing and i think that's what's so beautiful about this sort of life cycle that you've had so far and you're 37 years old yeah. so it's not i'm not pushing you into like the grave you know <laughs> and i'm this over is, it's over is, so. but you know i can only imagine what the next 37 yes. years will hold in that way of you being open to to whatever you know on the one hand what life is pushing you towards on the other what you've actively sought and you know mm-hmm. this interesting that you went into the career path that put you 
not not that it that it you know purposely put you in harm's way, but mm-hmm. that it was this very exciting and energizing yeah. and also sometimes scary, definitely experience. risky. That's the part that was attractive yeah. at first when I was young, and I think I had no sense, obviously, of life or death, and I didn't know how precious life was. And that's something that everybody gets as they get older. That's why teenagers are so like titanium. I can do anything, yeah. right? Um, now I think that I can do anything, but that has changed. And I think the beauty is one of the women I met, she just desperately wanted to get in touch with her mom. You know, the cell phone towers never work and they don't work for weeks sometimes afterward. And she had worn a life preserver and survived through the storm by swimming and had held on to a boat. Oh, my God. I can't even. I mean, she's so lucky to be alive. She was one of the very few people that probably survived it that way. And that feeling when she said, I just need someone to call my mom. So I got her number and we didn't, our satellite phone wasn't even working there. We walked about two miles north and we were, we hiked out with our stuff because there was no other way. Of course, our car was gone. Sorry, national car rental. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. And we, and there's no way to get through all the debris and the satellite phone works. And I called her mom. And I think because I'm a mother, that part, the humanity of the storm has gotten so intense for me. And I started crying. And then like it really it became a real I didn't care about the storm and the science and all of this stuff anymore. I cared about the people that I just met and about how I was going to help get them out next time and how I got to call their mom and listen to her break down in the best in the best way with the best news that she could ever hear is that her daughter was alive. Oh my gosh. And it was it was such a and I've told those stories before, but I think now I have such a even deeper um connection to them because can you imagine if you one of your kids was in one of those places and they whether you knew or not that they made a choice to go or couldn't have a choice to go I can't imagine and a natural disaster comes I can't imagine and it kills a lot of people around them and they're the one that survives and you get to it's it was just I mean chilling to in the best way though now I know right (laughs) my gosh you know um, and Cal never cries guys How you have this life where you're going to bed at 8:30 or 9 <laughs> when the kids go. When do you have time to be with your husband who is the also per- has a TV show and he lives does. in a different city. And lives in a different city. Uh, what? I and mean, you have two toddlers by yourself and you get up yeah. at three in the morning. Can you please explain? <laughs> Her name is Abigail. She is our nanny. Um, I'm really very indebted you, to the point where I'm like, we're definitely paying a lot. I mean, because that's what it right. takes. And I'm right. so fortunate that we have the ability to do that because she is the third parent. She right. is our other parent. When I'm not there, she's there. When he's not there, she's there. Right. And we're lucky because she has the flexibility and the love in her heart for my kids, sometimes more than I think we might even. I mean, that's how much she loves my <laughs> kids. And it feels so good to feel confident that she's there. Yeah. But I also don't want to string her out. I don't right. want her to be at the edge of, of everything. And and then you talk about seeing my husband because that comes last. I mean, it really does. We and but that shouldn't be. And so that the priorities thing is something we've been talking about a lot lately. His show has been much more demanding this season, which is wonderful because it means it's going well. But it means instead of four days, it's five or six. It's sometimes he's only home for twenty four hours or thirty six hours, and sometimes I'm away in Canada like this weekend doing a speech, and we just pass and we see each other. We saw each other at the airport. For lunch. We like had a lunch date at the airport. So that's the type of thing we're trying to do is if we can utilize that time. We were taking uh, miles for his eight month for his um, booster to his flu shot. And I got the time wrong, which as a mom, is like the nightmare that you've just wasted. And I woke him up from his nap to go. And I'm like, why did I make a one o'clock appointment in the first place is what I'm asking myself. We get there. They're like, oh, you're not due for another hour. I'm sorry. The doctor can't. They couldn't get us in. So we looked at each other and we both got to go and we said, let's go to Starbucks and have a coffee date. 
I mean, with miles, right. but still, you have to use every single moment. Something I learned after Dancing with the Stars, so I had Adrian, and six weeks later, I started doing Dancing with the Stars. We need to talk about this, too. And that yeah. that was my training ground, because I've always been busy, and isn't that a relative term? We're all busy. I mean, everybody's busy, and it doesn't matter where you are in life, you're going to... But once you have children, I think it's a different type of busy. Yeah. And I had not experienced that before. I'd also not experienced having a full-time show called Dancing with the Stars and a full-time career at GMA and doing and these right after I had a baby yeah. at six weeks. And I learned in that moment for the first time to be focused and to live in that moment. Because if I didn't, that hour doesn't mean anything. But I use every single, I try to, without being too, you know, of course I can be more I can have fun. And I was probably too flexible in, 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 you know, like in the moment back in my life. Uh, but this this gives structure without um, and then you feel productive and you feel like you've done it right. So that's the thing that we've been doing is just using whatever, even if it's a half hour. It's like, what can we do? Can we watch a little bit of Jersey Shore? Yes, we can. Great. I'm going to hold your hand and watch Jersey Shore. <laughs> We're going to be OK. So that's the best. But we haven't seen each other enough. We also are making plans for the next thing. So this, the, when he's on hiatus for a couple of weeks during the holidays, how are we going to spend that time? How are we going to utilize every moment there? I think those plans are, are so important, whether yeah. it's with self-healing or yeah. with a relationship or something, because then you, again, go to the light. You see the light yep. at the end of the tunnel. Yes, you do. Like, but we are going to be doing this. This is what we're doing right now, and it's hard, but I'm being present for it. I'm living each moment, so I'm not missing out on anything. And then it's going to be really good in December And also or to not be as hard on ourselves. So yesterday, <laughs> we just moved. That's so hard. June, July, oh whatever. Because you guys are also like house flippers. Yeah, I mean, we, I did just... a, we did a ton of stuff in the last couple of years. It's and amazing. When, when people from the outside start telling you, like, you realize how fast you're running, right? And you don't feel like it because you're in it. And I think becoming aware of what other people are saying sometimes is important. Obviously, you have to ignore the bad stuff. But there's there's times where it is that, like, the reality. And I think my dad said it. I, I had a new show that was an opportunity. And I said, yeah, it looks like I'm not going to be able to shoot because they're going to shoot it in L.A. He's like, how would you have done that anyway? <laughs> he's like, actually physically impossible at this point. <laughs> and he's like, and I said, part of it is because I'm scared. And I guess a big part is because I'm scared that everything's going to end tomorrow. And he's like, are you enjoying your family? Are you doing, you know, he started some of the best advice my dad's ever given me. And he slowed me down for a second and made me think about why I was afraid, why I was upset that I got, you know, for one, I auditioned for the show and I've never gotten something I auditioned and I was really excited. <laughs> and then I couldn't do it. But I think it gave me such power knowing that that was a choice, mostly forced by circumstance, but that I'm saying I can be proud of what I'm doing right now. It doesn't mean I'm, we're going to have work forever. And I think everybody's had these big transitions in, in their lives and in their careers. The thing that's going to stick around is that relationship with your husband and the thing that's going to stick around are your children. And so that is the easiest way to think about it. Even when the hottest, coolest thing is right in front of you, um, you can focus on that for the time that it's given. But if you give to everyone else, oh, I know who else told me this, Michael Strahan. Great advice. And I, we were talking about either in finance. he's someone who he's goes very slow, busy. Yeah, you know, so you know just says no to everything. <laughs> yeah. that, that old homebody, Michael Street. That's why it's such a good example for me. He I does feel more like, than anyone I've ever met in my life. Yeah, he's amazing. You feel like that, 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 you feel like that, but he does it right. I think he really does it and still takes care of himself yeah. and still takes care of his children. And I was asking him because it was kind of like, you know, whether it's financially or time-wise, how do you allot that to people? Because I know that have got to be people pulling from him from every way. And he said ever since he started playing football, when it was very minimal, when it was just football, um, he started to feel it. And he said, I always do my parents and my children and my significant other. And that's it. 
He said, I don't owe anybody else anything. And that was such great advice. But it's like, just keep thinking that. You don't owe anybody else, including a career, whatever. You don't owe them. Now, if there is time, and he's figured out the allotment of time very well, um, then you can prioritize after that. I'm always jealous of, well, first of all, I completely concur. And I think it takes such confidence and such inner knowledge, inner strength to be able to say, I'm going to bow out of opportunities I have right now because I know more are going to come. And if I don't, because I, I feel the same way. I run at everything. I try to say yes to I everything. I say yes to everything. Because yeah. my parents raised me before it was a thing with a very healthy sense of FOMO. And <laughs> I really were, like we would we would go on a trip somewhere and we'd be exhausted and like totally fried. And that the minute we would drop our bags at the hotel and immediately go out and explore. And it was such a rare, special thing. You know, my dad was in medical school. We didn't have a ton of money. We didn't have a ton of things to do like out of the, you know, out of New Jersey where we grew up other than to see family but but they, these were such precious wonderful opportunities and they drilled that into us like if you have the opportunity to go see the Eiffel Tower yeah. or whatever it is you're going to go and you're not going to complain about being tired from the plane um and that's just a you know most obvious example but I think across the board it was always say yes because you might miss the most incredible opportunity of your life and I I struggle with that all the time now with you know you only have 24 hours in the day and <laughs> I do like most you know everyone worry that what I'm spending my time on isn't always the right thing to be spending my time on and um and I, I just I envy people who have that just ability to, to to bless and release and just say, you know, I know more is coming and I'm just going to wait for it and and know that in this moment I have to just because I, I do that. But sometimes I catch myself being like, oh, but maybe you should have just tried to work it all together, you know. Um, but I, I'm curious about the about the yeah, like how do you how do you get to that place where you're um not worrying, not worrying all the time when you're at work that you're missing these critical mom mm-hmm. moments. Yeah, and not when you're at home worrying that you're missing these, you know, critical work moments. That's that's the hardest part is deciding what's the important part, and then the you have guilt on both sides. I think I really do, and so I have done for for the at home. Thank goodness for FaceTime for one, because I've done a lot of these trips, and I'm actually doing one coming up in a couple of days. I'm leaving on Thursday. I'll be in Chicago, Anaheim. Paris, Hong Kong, Tokyo, yes. Shanghai, and Orlando. <laughs> in six days. In a, in a week, yeah. Oh, oh my God. This is so insane In a week. Um, for, I, there's 46 hours of actual airtime in this trip. So that alone is like non-face time. So I'm freaking out about that. I'm like, I don't know how in some of these countries I'm going to have, because that to me that is the connection. At least we have that. At least we have that. The other thing that I've learned from my therapist is if we're insecure about the attachment that we have to our child or the the relationship that they have with us or the how much they know that we love them and that we care for them and mommy or daddy has this thing at work, as long as that is communicated, set up, and it is strong, space doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And he was explaining this to me that people can have the most healthy attachments and the best you know, relationships even when they're a world away. And there's a reason for that because it's the way that they communicate it. It's the way that it was set up in the first place. In those times that you do have that time together, you're setting and laying the foundation for those times that you don't. We do have a different type of job. A lot of us, you know, then it's I'm never going to be uh, likely the person who's able to come home at night every night or be with them before they go to school because that's just not how my job works. So I have really really keyed in on that fact of having I, I say to Adrian the things that I want him to believe and I want him you know it's 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 a little bit of like marketing yourself to your kids uh, <laughs> but yeah but they have to know from a very young age how much you love them where that love comes from where it's going to take us and yes there's times where mommy's not home at night but 
here's here's but why. But I still love you when I'm I not there. I still love you when I'm yeah. not there. And if you're clear about that and if they're clear about that, that attachment can be anywhere. And it could be for a month you could be gone. And it's not going to, you know, make all that difference. Um, then for on the work side, that is something. So recently I had a girl, a friend's trip, which I've never done. My, these girlfriends I've had since we were 13. And so it's been so long in the making and we should have done it a long time ago. But we all decided how hard it was, especially because I had just come from that hurricane. I had been gone a lot that month. And I thought maybe I should just pull out. I don't know if this is right. I haven't seen my kids. I haven't done this. And I was realizing when I was talking to my therapist, it's like I wasn't prioritizing myself in any of that. I didn't put myself at the top of any of those lists ever. In 20 years, I haven't done that as far as, you know, and definitely within the time that they've been alive. So I had to keep repeating to myself, it is okay to be away for yourself. Had that been a work trip, would I have felt as guilty? No. No. I have to do this. I have to do this. Yeah. And that is... But you have to take care of but yourself. But you have to take yeah. care of yourself and you have to foster your friendships and you have to do those other things. And that was, I kept repeating it to all the girls down there. And after the first day, we were like, great. And it was the best three days, and we had the best trip. What did you do? Did you just like sip, you know, pina coladas by yes, the pool? Yeah, pretty do? much. I mean, we oh, did. We so had a, like a little house that we had rented that had its own pool, and then the beach there. And we just didn't have a, you know, just being able to share and have uninterrupted time together that we haven't had, and those friendships that you can't create again. I mean, they're just impossible to because you grew up in a certain way in a certain place. And to have that and to catch up on each other's lives that we've not been able to do, you can't do what you can do in person on the phone or in an email or in a text. And it was so critical. And I felt so great when I got done. And I I didn't feel guilty. And it was, you know, we all FaceTimed our kids and we all did the thing that, but it was so solid. That actually makes so much sense to me. You didn't feel guilty because you came home from that trip and you felt so filled up and you knew it was a wonderful use of your time. I think when we feel guilty is when we perhaps feel like what we got out of what we were doing wasn't worth the trade-off you know and I and I think that's something like you said you you can't reform friendships and the evolution of friendships once you're a mom I think are such such an interesting Mm -hmm. and um, a topic for the second podcast to come to do with us because (laughs) it's such a deep you know female friendship female support um, especially going through the process of motherhood together is so critical and a lot of the girlfriends that I grew up with you know in high school etc and my best girlfriends who were from college didn't have kids at the same time that I did. Most of them are only now just getting married, and I'm really excited for them to to go through this experience and also to be the one with kids who are like five plus, not yeah. the newborns. Because, um, you know, then my kids will roll their own suitcases and we're off, we're traveling, <laughs> we're gone. Um, but, uh, but I think... You know, I think that that being able to have friendships who who you can go, like you said, six months, a year without really having a deep, proper catch up and they get it. They have their own kids or they have their own career. They they know what's going on. They know it's not because you don't love them. And it's the same thing you just said. It's about, you know, the way that you tell your kids and you communicate to your kids yes, that you have is. this deep. That this it's because we have that foundation, though. So that is the foundation you're trying to create is this long lasting, this thing that can be the thing that you get back to. And as as, as if no time has passed, I think that's exactly the right analogy for it because that's what you want with and, your be, children. and being present in the moment so yes. that when you are there they know it's you're like, there i'm doing this mm-hmm. and you are the most important thing right now mm-hmm. and that's that's a big lesson too because phones are the number one distraction i think but there's a lot of distractions at home it's very easy to get distracted in different ways and 
I haven't turned on a television show that I've wanted to watch. I don't know the last, except for that half hour of Jersey Shore, I think. That was, <laughs> and that was just like half of me wanting to watch it. It's, but oh, come on. It's so good. I love that it's that so was like good. a go to. Number one like, would have been Teen Mom, though. So on your don't worry about it. On your to do I only watch MTV. Okay. Team 13 years old. Wait, really? More than. We have to. That it will be discussed. But I'm so intrigued that Teen Mom comes before Real Housewives for you. Teen Mom is Real Housewives. It's kind of the original. Um, so everything's come after Teen Mom. It's best best television. That is fascinating <laughs> to me. Um, I Well, I, I want to pick your brain about a, on a creative note because I feel like you do people. I mean, again, like I said, I keep I feel like I keep scratching at the surface of Ginger. Yeah. And, and there's, there's there's so many layers and levels that come out. And you have your, you know, the home, the, the house sort of renovation and flipping that you guys do. And, um, and it sounds like, you know, there could be an MTV sort of you know, <laughs> creative development brain at play here. What's what's next? Well, first of all, tell people the title of your book, because I think anyone listening to this uh, episode is going to want to hear more sure. and everything that you have to say. And then what's next for Ginger Z? So the title is Natural Disaster. I cover them. I am one, uh, which was the easiest title <laughs> to write because <laughs> it's true. And you'll read a lot of things about me ending an engagement. I mean, very fun runaway bride stories, um, really good stuff. And then I the next book, I actually went to write a children's book and then ended up writing a book about depression. I was like, well, how did I get here? But anyway, longer story. So Chasing Helicity is the series that I'm writing. And so that the second of the trilogy comes out in April and that's for kids eight to 12. And so that's kind of that kids thing. And then um, probably most exciting is I have a new show on Saturday mornings on ABC coming out and it's called Rescue Heroes. And it's the so it's the story like we always hear after the disaster about mm-hmm. the victim. This is the story about the first responder. Amazing. And so it's about their families, about their their sacrifices and all the things that we really rarely get to meet that character. You see him and you're like, what a hero. And that's the end of the story. And and this will dive into for an hour into these people's stories and you'll get to hear more. Of course, it'll go over the storm and all of that stuff. But I'm starting to shoot that now. And that's really exciting. So incredible. So, um, and where can we follow you? Um, follow me at Ginger underscore Z um, on Instagram, Who on Twitter. Who has Ginger Z? That girl that from sensation. We You're covered that, me. Daphne. No, definitely her. It's definitely someone you only want to do at home to search. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't so this do can be confusing. Just make sure you get the underscore because then otherwise you're going to find something completely different. Yeah, there might be animals involved. I just, it's, I'm just saying. <laughs> animals and eye drops. Great. Yeah. Okay. Oh, at underscore at ginger underscore z. Yes. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yep, and I get it. all my weather updates, but I also get the best updates just about your life. And, oh, it's and so much fun! I that part of social media is fun. I love sharing that part. I think there's such positive parts of it. And I re- this weekend, I had a woman write me, and she really wanted to come to my talk in Windsor. She's from Windsor, but she's like it was too expensive. And I just had this good feeling. Sometimes you just have a, and I invited her to be my plus one, so she oh, came. And that's just, amazing. You know, someone who I've been interacting with right, online. That's amazing. She's always been so supportive and lovely, and she was like a. You know, I think she's in her 60s, just a beautiful woman named Terry. And she was so grateful. And we had an awesome conversation. And this, what we're doing here, is I think the other part of what will make all of us healthier is having that eye to eye, having the the touch of a real human being or listening to other people's stories as people are doing now. That helps you to just feel yeah. like you're part of the earth and you're part and of. We're not alone. And we're not alone. And I think that's what I love that you guys are doing this for, because that is what my whole goal of the book was, was start, I want to hear their stories. Now I got to tell a lot of mine, but it, there's a lot more. We had, to, we had to edit sure. a lot. I'm sure. A lot of lawyers. Yeah, I liked your, <laughs> yeah. I really liked your alternate title, which we can't actually talk about. No, here you don't, podcast. you can't say that? Oh, okay. Could we say, 
don't know. I really There's want to. There's an alternate title. Yeah, my husband always said that my first book should be called All the <laughs> I Sat On. Yes. Oh, that's a good title. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like that's going to be the follow up Because book. it could be somebody's name. Yeah. Right? Apparently, what I learned is that. <laughs> what I learned was that you can't speak about people who are still alive. That's what I. That's yes. what I learned. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's a good to know. That's a bummer. <laughs> um, two really, really fast questions. One is, what is your workout routine? We know we obviously oh. uh, Dancing with the Stars helped you oh, get the most inse- insane body six weeks after. Can I do that body. again? Yes. Uh. So, what are you working out with now? And then tell us your the thing that's saving your life right now. Like, what's your favorite thing? Okay, so I am all about. Um, working out once a week with a trainer because that kind of keeps me in check with like, oh, right, there's a new thing I can try right. when I'm by myself in a hotel room. So I do that once a week. And then I do Peloton now probably two, three times a week, which is great. That gets my cardio. And I've because I had to retire from running. I say mm-hmm. that I still run, <laughs> but like I had to do my long runs anymore. Right. But my body didn't react the same. My hips are not the same after I had my kids. And so you also still are in that window where the relaxing and everything is still going out. So don't, don't despair. And so, but the, I just feel more comfortable when I do the Peloton and I get such a great workout. I'm a freak. I'm in my basement and I'm like trying harder than I've ever done. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm just making That's amazing. I mean, how many people, I'm a fitness instructor and I can't make myself work out like regularly at home. I have to go to a class. I mean, I do like these little tiny workouts that I post on my Instagram, but like to really like do an entire hour and like when are you left alone for an hour when you're at home? It's really hard. I do the half hour ones a lot, uh, but it's really good. So I like that a lot. And I'd say on the other days I do yoga. So I'll do, I just have like a website I go to and I've got all of the, they've got tons of classes and I end up doing something that I, whatever time I have, that's very tailored. It's mm-hmm. kind of nice. It's my yoga works. It's super easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's saving me right now? What is the thing I live for? Cashews? Oh. <laughs> Okay. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, like food? Like, uh, totally. It's a, a product, a thing, a book, oh, a, a podcast, a cashews, or whatever. Though. Cashews are delicious. Cashews are delicious. But I think it's, but you know what it was? It was like a renaissance for me. And this probably comes from anorexia. Cashew was like a big no like no. Yeah. It was a super fat. Only thing worse is macadamia nuts. Yes. Yeah. Right. Whatever's keto was the opposite of what anorexia is. So anyway, so I, but I think I hadn't really, this is so embarrassing. I don't think I've tasted one. I don't think I had had them because it was against the rules for so long. And I think I've fallen in love with them. <laughs> I think a cashew is such a gorgeous little C-shaped so edgy. deal, isn't and it? And it's so edgy. It's so edgy. <laughs> oh my gosh. And up next, a trilogy about a Rajneesh cashews. cashews. <laughs> They're so smooth. Oh my gosh. And where is the next piercing going to be? Oh, I have to do a double on this side. Oh, so I'm on not the side. We've only done one ear. Yeah, so because that was what I got together was two on one ear. I want to get one here, and I might even get something going on the top. So was the idea that you weren't sure if you were going to like them, so you just did these, or it's just it's for you're sleeping because oh, they take so long. The cartilage oh, takes so oh, long. That's... So this is what's even better is you know you have to keep it clean. So they give you it's no longer like a solution. It wasn't the same as when I got my first ears pierced, and this has been almost three months, and it still is tender. I mean, because it takes that long. So they give you these little pads, and you hold them, and they're just like. Like a little compress. And so I would do it whenever I, whatever. And people, I forget where I am or what I'm doing. So I'm at work and, oh my God, what happened to your ear? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I just got my ear pierced. <laughs> I'm, um, yep, 37 year old woman getting her ear pierced. Don't worry about it. So I'm going to do the other side. I just have to be prepared for all of that. And you did this at Maria Tash. Yes, I, I did. love them. And they I have like the most beautiful jewelry. The jewelry is unreal. Yes. And I brought my sister and she's she's like next. Even she's if you only have one hole, I actually, that's why I love Maria Tash because I can put one earring in and I still feel like I'm wearing yeah. ear candy. It's 
not quite as gorgeous as as the the row. I feel like Daphne. Maybe we need to go get some piercings, right? I'll do it with you. I'm going back. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what my kids would say. I think they'd love it. Your children would love it. No, it's no. You know what? It's a. It's Philomena's like. Oh, she want one. She really. She just. She loves jewelry. Loves jewelry and makeup. Um, and reading. But but jewelry and makeup are a big deal for her. And I think she'd think I was being greedy. Like I'm not. I say that jokingly, but all seriousness. Because she couldn't get one. Yeah. Yeah. See, I pierced my daughter's ears. Yeah, that's normal for right. Some kids do it. I just didn't have that. I'd never got that. My dad always didn't want us to have piercings. He was very. I had I was thirteen. Yeah, it was well, one of those weird arbitrary rules of childhood. That, yep. Yeah, and then, but then it kept me because then I was playing sports, and then I wasn't. I w- didn't make any sense. That's why it took me till I was twenty three because it wasn't really important. And it wasn't at the front and center until my boss said do it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess. Now I look feminine. <laughs> she always looked feminine, even even before she had to share her name with another certain feminine star. Um, Ginger Z, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank, thank you. you for doing this. This is fun. Mom, thanks. Daphne, I really that I mean that was my first time meeting her, and I know that that you guys are friends. So it was really such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with her. You know, I mean, seeing somebody who really is a passionate about her job and passionate about her life and sees so much crossover between mm-hmm, the two mm-hmm. and both are sort of morphing as as many jobs do but as she just does it in such an extreme way um i thought that was inc- incredibly inspiring i mean i think always we as moms we don't think enough about our own mental health um i think that we can be so focused on everybody else that we forget ourselves and i think that she is a really great reminder of how important it is for us to um to, to realize that, as we've said so many times, put our oxygen mask on first. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. And I think it's something that's always struck me as fascinating about Ginger and and exciting about her is she's not afraid of change. I mean, this is, uh, you know, she's had an incredible career, obviously, that, you know, is in, and, and being on GMA every day and having this sort of very um, just taxing a lot of stress job and then adding kids into the mix and I was I remember she and I had our first sort of around the same time and she went on she went on Dancing with the Stars right afterwards and I was like I am in awe of this woman and the energy that she has and now and I didn't know her at the time um, certainly not as well as I do now and I feel like as I get to know her I now I understand so much more about how she was able to do that and it is this it is this inexhaustible energy she's just like a little fireball of energy but it's also um she she's not afraid of herself because she's done the work and has this self knowledge and because she's seen the dark and and the um and the challenging parts of life and then has worked through those to arrive at this really light and and empowered place. So I feel like as a mom and as a woman, I really just gained so much from our from our chat today. And I also just love to hear, um, you know, I hear I love to hear how other other women hold on to themselves. And I think something I always end up talking about with her is, is, you know, how do you, how do you keep what you love and keep it alive and bring in new elements and bring in and become the next version and the next version and the next version. All right. And now it's time for one of our favorite things. A few, <laughs> no, a few no. of our favorite. No, few, that wasn't, now, I, that was what I meant. And now it's time for a few of and now, our ding, favorite ding, things. Ding. Can we get a good sound effect? It's time for our favorite things. So here are a few of our favorite things. Hit it, Daphne. Okay. Um, I am going to tell you guys about a favorite thing. Those of you who've 
follow me on Instagram will already know about because I talk about it a lot because I am so passionate about this company, which is why I got involved as their CIO. It's called Pure Spoon. It's a fresh delivery baby food company, all organic, fresh made baby food, literally exactly like you would make it in your own kitchen, but you don't have to because it shows up at your doorstep. So we've been at my parents' house in New Jersey this week, um, hanging with the family, just having a good time and been really busy coming in and out quite a bit. So I haven't had as much time as I normally do to make all of Nika's baby food. Um, So I ordered myself my shipment of Pure Spoon. It shows up at my doorstep. I pop it in my fridge. That's something that's so novel for people to hear about when I I tell them about Pure Spoon is we're so used to buying, you know, baby food next to diapers and puffs and things because it's shelf stable. Chances are, if you if you're feeding your baby the shelf stable baby food, it is older than your baby is. Um, it was cooked in its own plastic packaging. It just doesn't have any of the nutritional vitality that we're made to believe by all like the fancy pictures of fruits and vegetables on the front that tell you it's organic and everything because it's been cooked so much and processed so much. So I. As a chef and as a mom, I was really committed to finding a nutritious way to feed my kids um, when I couldn't make it from scratch by myself. And it's not that that's hard. It's just sometimes you run out of time, you know, you just especially can't. with three of them. Sometimes you just can't. You're running late and you just need to feed baby dinner and put her down to sleep. Um So I was so passionate when I found this company and found out that they were making mom and dad's life a little bit easier without asking baby to compromise at all. And and I just love the idea that it's made exactly like you would at home. It just makes your life a bit easier. So because I've been relying on my Pure Spoon so much this week, I thought I would share with you guys. And uh, those of you with young babies, we have stages one, two for, you know, seven months and younger. And then we um, are just introducing stage three, which is for your slightly older babies and toddlers, which is really fun for me because that's where like I came in and it really helped develop all those recipes. And we're including a lot of functional ingredients, things like oatmeal, um, flax and quinoa and um, and chia seeds. So you're really getting protein and healthy fats and good nutritional elements for your kids. If you're trying to raise adventurous, help, happy, healthy eaters, it's one of those products you can really count on. Well, I'm excited because Romeo's five months right he's now. A, so oh, I can't wait to send you your shipment. I want to try this stuff. <laughs> no. I'm really oh, excited. By the way, speaking of which, it's the only baby food that you as a parent would ever actually consider putting in your mouth because you, you'll open it up and it looks and smells like the like it's made fresh. When you open one of those shelf-stable baby foods, it smells so rancid. So I can't wait for you personally to taste it so and also Romeo. My, my <laughs> nanny who's been with us ever since um, Carmen was born, she um, says that if you're going to feed it to your kid, you need to be able to taste it first. Absolutely. So And that included breast milk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, so... I'm like I won't point. Your best well, only because she she as she literally is standing next to me and she's like, "Are you gonna try it?" I'm like, "Of course I'm not gonna try it." I'm Wait, not why? Try oh, that's so funny to I me. I know. And then she's like, "So you're gonna feed your baby something and you won't try it?" And I was like, "That's a good point." <laughs> and I was like, "Just watch me." And of course, like I tried like the tiniest little amount. <laughs> you're and like, no, glug, I didn't. Glug, glug. And no, I did not like how it tasted. <laughs> what? Um, it's delicious. No, it's not. Dad, it's now. so well, sweet. Maybe yours is. Maybe <laughs> I'm gonna start eating yours. I mean, my kids really like it, but like, and my other kids have tried it in a cup because they want to. And I was told that you're like, you're supposed to let them do that. But anyway, yes, going back to your Pierce food thing, (laughs) you should try. I completely agree um, that you need to be able to taste every single thing that you're going to feed to your child. Um, My favorite thing today is very like not organic so um so a lot of people will assume that because i'm a yoga teacher and you know most of the stuff that i do is very organic and stuff like that that i am completely 100 percent that way and like eating kale 
all the time. I do like kale, but and I probably should eat it more. <laughs> but but I am not just kale and like hand, hands headstands, handstands, whatever yoga poses kale all and the headstands. time. Kale and headstands all the time. Um, and is is something that I found that is super affordable. And if I, when I'm traveling, I can quickly find in most places, which is CeraVe cleansing face wash. Mm. Um, it is really clean. I mean, not organic clean, but I don't care. Wait, let's try that again. Um, CeraVe cleansing wash. It's really affordable, and it's just a very simple ingredient list where you can wash it, and you know that you're not going to probably have any kind of like flare-up or any kind of um, bad reaction to it. And I love that you can find it in your drugstores. I also have like some of my other favorite ones. I love Tata Harper, which is completely in the other direction. I love her stuff. Yeah. Love, love, love her stuff. But while I'm traveling... If I forget something or, you know, I have I, I have many different places where I wash my face in the house, including like my like shower, <laughs> my bathtub, my sink, because I am like the ultimate multitasker. That is definitely one that is an easy and affordable quick picker. Nice. And you bring up Tata Harper, who Tata Harper, who has if I if I could picture like a life that I think would be totally different than mine is now but make me equally happy it would be her. she literally lives on a farm in vermont with her beautiful children making botanical products. skincare I love, products have you ever been on her website no but as a product as like an, a self-declared yeah. product junkie this is the single greatest thing ever she like goes out into her lavender fields and like plucks her lavender and puts it into you her potions be, she and, has she has I'm, a really great she has a really great website oh, okay yeah Okay, that would be the three favorite things. Oh, okay. Like, he's like, that's three he's things. Like, that's too many. Let me tell up. you something I learned. A couple, a couple is two. We didn't say a couple of our favorite things. We said a few of our favorite things. So we're going on the extremes. We're doing oh, yeah. Sarah V on one side, and we're doing Tata Harper. We like to bookend. On, I, I like, like to bookend. You yeah. know, and there is a time High and low. a place for both. Exactly. High High low. Um, but no, she has a really beautiful website that tells you because she's got tons of products, mm. and it can get kind of confusing. Mm. But tells you like when you would need each product and then gives you a list of all the ingredients and what is organic and no it's really like i've spent so much time on her website so I much love money it. i love website. it i love it it is my nightmare though because the more i learn the more i'm like oh i need resurfacing yes, I need gel that. oh i need hyperpigmentation <laughs> exactly. relief oh i need moisturization this one makes your skin glow and this one let's just lather it oh, on lots anything, of glowing marketers out there anything with the word glow <laughs> yes. i'm yours sold yes. sign me up ship it right to yes. me so i guess i had two things i had cerave <laughs> there are two words in they pure spoon. Are, you know it's what? It gives you options, okay? There's more than one face uh. cleanser out there. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you. And keep emailing us at mombrainpod at gmail.com. This is a fact. This is Mombrain with Alaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mombrain is a Gallery Media Group production.